Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Coming up this week, we'll be talking football. GFC back in action on Saturday. Look ahead um, to their season with manager Tony Vance. And a look back as well at the early pre-season Rawlinson Cup tournament so far. Um, We'll also talk paddle, golf, um, but we're going to start with cricket. I'm Tony Kerr and alongside me this week is Gareth DePrevo. Hi, Tony. And Harry Jones. Hi, Tony. Great to see you guys. Um, Really busy week uh, on the cricket front. Um, Got down there on Tuesday to see um, the big semi-final in the Under-19 Cricket World Cup uh, Europe qualifier tournament, which has been taking place over the last week or so um, here in Guernsey. And it's gone very well for the home side. The Greens through to today's final uh, in the tournament, and they got through in quite dramatic fashion, Gareth, at the uh, the KG5 on Tuesday. Having seen them rack up the wins while I was away at the Commonwealth Games, I got down there on Tuesday and saw uh, saw us lose three wickets in about five balls. I thought I'd put the uh, put the hex on them, but they came through in the end. Just talk us through that contest uh, against Norway because it was a, a dramatic afternoon. Yeah, well, like you say, Tony, they'd um, cr- well almost cruised through their group. Three three matches, three wins, sort of bowling out the opposition for pretty below par totals every time and knocking them off very very well. Um, I, th- I must admit there was a there was a slight worry going into the game the fact that we our openers had done so well that the rest of our batting hadn't actually got the got the opportunity to go out in the middle for, for the previous three games and yeah when it came to the Norway game um, we again bowled well bowled them out for 168 um, it was it's the unfortunate side of ICC competition that you you play by the regulations of the tournament and Guernsey had to go and bat for six overs before before lunch and it really didn't help their cause. And we lost both openers in that time. So we were 15 for two after six overs heading into lunch. And um, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> for the next hour or so, it was pretty much all Norway. They, they bowled very well, um, took their chances. And yeah, like you say, Guernsey lost quick wickets and we were 57 for six. And to be fair, the, the decent sized crowd was very quiet and uh, it, it looked like... Um, the Guernsey were doing what, exactly what they didn't want to do, which was sort of like lose probably the most important game in the tournament. It's, it's more important than the final, the semi, because you, you've got the chance of promotion there and then. So, um, but um, yeah, fair play to um, certainly Joe Marshall and Dan Thomas. They sort of got us back on track to a degree, got us up to 90-odd. Then we lost another wicket. Um, Joe Marshall was then joined by Max Johnson. They got us up to 120-odd before we lost another wicket. So you still need 43 uh, with just two wickets remaining. The, the overs weren't an issue. We always had the time to do it. It was a case of if we could um, just not lose any more wickets. And um, I thought Charlie Forshaw and Matt Johnson were just outstanding. The maturity they showed was brilliant. Um, it, it is a case at the moment, the way the, the the cricket grounds are with the lack of rain and what have you, that um, the, the outfield's like lightning. So if you beat the field, you, you get four, you get value for your shots. And Charlie played some really nice shots. Um, Max Johnson chipped in with a couple of boundaries as well. And um, it, it went from looking really, really um, sort of like nail-biting stuff. to It almost like it became easy for the last few overs. It was quite strange. It was, it was almost serene progress so from sort of like 140 to the 169 they needed. Um, but that just, um, it was a great performance. And it, it was thoroughly deserved on, on what they'd done in the tournament so far. I mean... I know Mark Latter was um, had head in hands at one point, thinking oh, we're making an absolute mess of this, but um, they got over the line and um, it was great for them. And um, fingers crossed, they can they can um, finish up by lifting the trophy in the tournament. I think they deserve to, but they they've done the the hard bit, which was earn promotion. And um, 
well done to them for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did toy with the idea of recording the podcast a bit later today, but given the, the sort of quick turnaround that you'll need to get the uh, result from the file into the paper on Friday, uh, we thought we'd do it a bit earlier. And as it is, that, that final is just sort of a bit of a nice showpiece, isn't it? Because, as you say, um, the real key target of the whole week was to, to finish in um, the top three effectively and, and secure that promotion. And, and by getting to the final, we've done that. And, yeah, for you, Harry, I know you've seen a bit of it as well this week. Um, kind of just desserts for, for a team who've, who've looked really good. Yeah, yeah, they've done so well. And it'd be nice to get down later today and see how they're doing the final. Hopefully they'll win. I think they're probably favourites to win on balance. Italy they're playing, isn't it? Yeah. All the side they've already beaten pretty comfortably. So it'd be nice to see them go and, go and lift the trophy. Definitely be the rewards to a great week. But obviously promotion, as Gareth said, was the main goal of the tournament. They've achieved that. And there's been some real standout performances. You know, both the openers, uh, Fintan Ridgwick and Charlie Burch, they've both done so well got so many runs and just the whole team have come together so well it's great to see that spirit and that atmosphere and so many people cheering them on the other day there's absolute carnage when they <laughs> won so some of the videos on twitter i think it was on lula tizia's twitter first i saw it it's all of a sudden popped up all, all these people jumping into the um jumping into the crowd and stuff and then seeing all the celebrations was yeah it was amazing it's great to see so many people enthusiastic about the tournament and um yeah it'd be great to see out later today as well and see them see them lift the whole thing yeah i couldn't agree more um the support down there on tuesday in particular it was fantastic I think it's been the case all week and as you say I'm sure it'll be the same today um, lots of support from uh, from optimists who there seems to be a real strong culture developing there well they've got a lot of the, um, the the team obviously it's sort of like a very sort of Elizabeth College heavy side I mean it's, it's an under 19 tournament but it is under 19 for 2024 when the actual World Cup happens so this is basically an under 17 side um, or every side in the tournament is basically under 17 so there's a lot of sort of like just the that that year above, sort of like um, Ollie Clapham was our captain, his, his brother Charlie, who's been Elizabeth College captain, he was sort of one of the chief cheerleaders, I suppose, around the um, around the side. But uh, no, it was, just, it, was, it was almost just a typical Guernsey thing, try and make it as hard as you can and then um, thoroughly enjoy the magical moment of actually getting <laughs> across the line. And it's, uh, yeah, it sort of brought back memories for the, the, few, the few of us who were lucky enough to be there in Malaysia sort of like 10 years ago when the, when the seniors were on the verge of being absolutely hammered in the final of that tournament and Tom Kim played sort of like the innings of his life and to get us over the line it was had that sort of feel to it that we were going to let such a great opportunity slip and but yet we still found a way to get to get to to get to the line so um, yeah it'll live long in the memory that's for sure yeah and it bodes really well doesn't it to see young Guernsey players um yeah showing that resilience that that spirit uh, with the bat not to just to kind of give things away when it when it looks a bit tough to actually dig in and, and get us over the line yeah the thing about this squad I mean it, a lot of this squad obviously sort of perform uh, in senior cricket over here. It's just the way the nature of uh, the beast over here. Um, but you, looking at the squad, you knew they had plenty of bowling. It's a very, very talented bowling group. Certainly Charlie Forshaw's bowled really well already this week and sort of the likes of Harry Duke and Harry Johnson as well, both Johnson brothers who are playing. Um, so uh, the bowling was never really going to be an issue. I didn't know sort of like the capabilities of our batting. Um, as Harry says, the two openers have done brilliantly, Finton, Ridgwick and Charlie Birch. To be fair to Charlie Birch, he's been batting really well for a couple of years now and he's accumulated a lot of runs. Um, I thought Ollie Clapham looked really good when he was batting the other day. I'm not quite sure how he got bowled round his legs by a seamer, but um, he was looking good up until that point. But um, obviously the, the bowlers who I've mentioned obviously can bat a bit as well. And uh, certainly Charlie and Max just did a great job at the end to see us across the line. And uh, yeah, it certainly bodes well. Yeah, I mean, it's been a great week for cricket in the Channel Islands. Obviously over in Jersey, they've got the Challenge League B. 
um, tournament going on at the, uh, at the moment as well and, and Jersey going really well in that. I mean, obviously securing this promotion for Guernsey's under-19s means they'll then play in the Division 1 tournament next summer, which will include Jersey and, and a couple of other of the big sort of European hitters. I mean, it, how significant is it to sort of, I suppose, those players and also for like, funding and all that kind of stuff that, that we've got through this tournament? Um, I think it's really important, Tony. Obviously, like you say, Jersey are showing what can be achieved. And um, I don't want... <laughs> people might sort of uh, raise their eyebrows when I say this, but I actually quite enjoy seeing Jersey do what they're doing. They're, they're really impressive. Um, they're, they're on the verge of doing something really special, I think, in that tournament over there. So um, fair play to them. But it shows what can be achieved. They've got a small population, obviously bigger than ours, but they've got a small population we can sort of follow their lead if you like we're building a nice culture and i think that that certainly in the under 17 group and um yeah it's just a case of you don't put limits on what you can achieve and um but you do need to earn these promotions to get that sort of funding to get the the backing as well to to push yourselves forward and uh, yeah fingers crossed that uh, um the rest of our sides can follow suit absolutely uh, harry you'll be heading down there in a bit to uh, to join the Ultras on the side, <laughs> Green Army. Oh, I reckon they'd be up on the balcony, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's move on to football then, because, uh, yeah, the cricket season is sort of coming to a, to a big conclusion. Um, but football, kind of, I was going to say on the horizon, it's not. It's kind of raced into view. And, and we'll come on to GFC in a moment. But domestically, things have, have got going. Um, the Rawlinson Cup uh, quarterfinals have been, been on all week. One more to come um, tonight. Harry, I know you've been down there uh, watching a couple of the games. And on the pitch as well. It was, uh, it was interesting to see while I was away in Birmingham, the big social media frenzy around your, your unveiling at Corbett Field. Yeah, I certainly wasn't expecting that. <laughs> he kept it very quiet, I found. You know, he's been in the office and uh, he, was, he was warning us that there might be a couple more Vale Rex signings to be unveiled. And then all of a sudden it was Harry Jones has joined. <laughs> And Harry, things were going very well for Velrec on uh, on Tuesday oh, night against Saints until so... you came on. <laughs> I, I think we need to rename him Agent Jones. It's amazing how he moves from Saints to Velrec. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, Harry, Velrec had just equalised. They were two all. You came on, and what happens? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought I had quite a decent game when I came on. We, we sort of just fell apart at the end. Saints just got, um, they sort of got in behind a couple of times at the end. But yeah, came on at 2 all. I had a chance to make it 3 2, and that would have been. That would have been some story if I'd done that, but header was over the bar and they made it 3-2 sort of with about 15 minutes to go, maybe. And then we had a massive chance to make it 3 or I put a cross in and then Jack Smith headed one. Jason Martin sort of dived a bit early, tipped it over himself, got back. Whether it was over the line or not over the line, there's been debates going on, but I'm not sure that it wasn't given anyway. And then they got in at the end. They, to be fair, I think Charlie Coleman, he's only 16 came forward, beat a man and stuck it in the bottom corner. It was an unbelievable finish. You just got to say fair play. And then, um, yeah, they got in behind once more just in the closing minutes and got another one. So I think the scoreline probably wasn't reflective of the games. We, we did run them close, but um, yeah, Saints in the end. That's what Saints always do. That's what Saints have done for years. Winning machine. And um, yeah, when it comes down to it, they always manage to get over the line. And I think they've set up a semi-final with North now. And that'd be quite interesting because um, North did look good on Monday night was the first game that they played beat Rangers 3-0. It probably could have been a couple more. I think Rangers definitely look like a bit of a better side this season. Obviously got a massive new setup there. Rob Batty's down there for his first game as director of football <laughs> in the stands with his iPad. And, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's ho- hopefully Rangers will get a bit better this season. It'd be nice to see them challenge teams a little bit more and not just be sort of the whipping boys every week. It seems like that's what they've been for the last few years, which is a shame. Um, they definitely got some talent down there, some talented youngsters coming through. I think there was a few 16-year-olds who played, Zach Batiste, Tom Solway, and they've still got Harry Tester as well featured. They've got a lot of young players coming through. So hopefully Rangers will get a, a, will get a little bit better at least. Um, but North, yeah, they look really good again. Sam Murray doing what Sam Murray always does, getting a couple goals. It seems like sometimes he's not even involved in the game, but then you realise he's, he's, he's still scored twice already. And um, yeah, they'll definitely do, do well this season. And North Saints should be a very interesting game. Yeah, they're going to meet each other a few times, aren't they, right at the start of the season in the, the Martinet and then the, a couple of days later in the opening game of the Prio campaign. I mean, is it too early to, to read into to kind of how the sides are shaping up? I mean, does is, is it look like it's sort of locked on that those two will be the, the two battling it? Yeah, if I had to make an early prediction, I'd say a, a Saints-North title race is probably where it's heading. It'd be interesting to see elsewhere from that because I think I think Rack have definitely got stronger this year, signed quite a few good players, looked in good shape in the Bells pre-season friendly on Saturday. Bells, again, they finished fifth last season. They'll probably be in around mid-table again. Sylvans have lost quite a few, so it'll be interesting to see how they do. Still got some very good players at the club, but I'm not sure how many they've actually got right now. Rovers looked in good shape last night. They won 4-0 against uh, Rockane Pirates, making their Rawlinson debut, the Pirates. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating season. I think it's definitely a little bit too early to sort of make bold predictions, but if I had to stick my neck out, I would say Saints and North probably the two are going to be fighting really hard for the title. Uh, just on a on a bit more serious note, Harry, you've you've joined Vale, reckon it's very much a, sort of like a, a fresh start for them there. Um, what's the actual vibe like around the club down at Courtfield now that Mark Romerall's in as sort of head coach? It seems really good. Um, yeah, all the focus seems to be on the on the big Rovers game, twenty seventh of August. That's been that's been what he's been reiterating all the time. The Rawlinsons just to see where we are. If we win or lose, doesn't really matter. We're all focus on the first game of the season. It seems really positive. I think the story with Wreck the last few years, at the start of the season, there's loads of players all committed. Then by December, everyone's dropped off. They can't find anyone to fill their prio size. So maybe, I think it was, yeah, someone was saying that maybe it's a little bit too early to just be massively optimistic because there has been that drop-off over the last few years in terms of commitment. But at the moment, the signals look good. Um, yeah, Romers and Malks implementing what they want to do pretty early, getting that style of play in, focusing on trying to play possession football and things like that. And um, yeah, a lot of the group are buying into it. It's great to see um, It's great to see some new signers come in from Manza too. Definitely got some talent uh, coming. Louis Travis comes to mind. He scored two the other night. Luke Godion looked really good. So yeah, it's all, it all seems to be coming together pretty nicely. And I think... I think we finished seventh last year, probably a little bit under par for them and hopefully going a bit more up the table this season. I think the signs are good early on. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll be back um, with our Monday football podcast very soon, a full season preview to come and hopefully be hearing from uh, all of the Prio coaches um, in that one. So do keep an ear out um, there. Uh, coming up next, though, we'll look ahead to GFC's campaign, which gets underway uh, on the road at Thatcham Town this Saturday. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. If you're not already, do give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport. It's a place to go on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and make sure to pick up a paper six days a week for the very best local sports coverage. It has come around very quickly. Uh, as we've just been saying, the uh, Rawlinson Cup in uh, full swing this week. And for GFC, um, the season gets going on the road on Saturday away at Thatcham Town. I'm pleased to say uh, Tony Vance, G- GFC manager, has joined us uh, in our little studio uh, for a chat ahead of it. Welcome, Tony. Good afternoon. Very good to see you. Um, just give us a sense of how you're feeling. Are you ready for this one? Uh, I should say yes. Um, <laughs> but it, it's mad, isn't it? Football just seems to sort of come quicker and quicker. 
Um, still the summer, sun shining and um, obviously crickets going and et cetera, et cetera. But it is what it is. So, uh, you know, certainly from our point of view, that aside, uh, we, we've, we've had some preparation this year, unlike last year. So um, we're actually in a much better position in terms of preparation, knowledge of of the group that we've got um, and what, you know, what the crystal ball might tell us. Uh, but... Uh, I've been in this game quite a long time and, and things can change within seconds, let alone minutes, let alone hours, let alone days. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we're fairly prepared. Yeah, as you say, this is the sort of first proper normal season, I guess, that we've had in a while. Um, you know, the start of last season was quite a lot of uncertainty still around. Um, so, yeah, just to have that preparation in the bag, obviously you went to the Isle of Man. Um, a couple of teams have come here as well. Is the the level, uh, you know, in terms of the squad fitness and and kind of you know you've got to call and all of that? Is it sort of where you'd want to be heading into the opening game? Uh, being honest, no. Um, but then I'm always going to be sort of searching for the the, the ultimate, and unfortunately we're never going to have that. Uh, but in terms of our sort of our norm, it's been a lot lot better than we've had in previous years. So uh, so yeah, we're in a much better place. Um, obviously. In contrast, the teams that we play in the league, they, they've pr- probably, I think they've had 12, 12, 13 pre-season games uh, against quality opposition. And um, I would imagine most of those games have, have included 90%, 95% of their squad that they're going to use for, for the first few months of the season anyway until they decide that they need to get um, <laughs> acquisitions in. But, uh, you know, ultimately they're... they're They've been working with the group, uh, with us. Obviously, the, the commitment is massive. So uh, the turnaround, the, the, the sort of a number of players uh, that you're, you're always having each game, different games, etc., will always be a, a huge, huge difference. And uh, so, like when we went to the Isle of Man, for example, there was a young squad. Uh, it was a four-day trip, so there was no way everyone was going to be able to get two days off work for for a trip away to the Isle of Man, unfortunately. So. Uh, we, we we made a good good go of it in terms of uh, the preparation, but and as I said, there's probably half the group uh, will be will be really contributing. Um, a couple will, will will earn their places for sure, and then there's some that have that have put themselves in the shop window perhaps for for a later day. So uh, you know we we've never really had the the full group, uh, unfortunately. Um, this this train uh, this sort of training campaign. However, we have been together for a number of weeks now, so it's it's way 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 better than last year. Well, that's good to hear. Um, looking back a couple of months, and I remember at the end of season awards, which feels like sort of last night, really. Um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of very confident kind of talk coming from from you know, certain quarters from some of the players Jamie Dodd included um, that this season was going to be one where you guys would be kind of really able to go for it to be competitive at the sort of top end of the division is that still the same feeling you know on the eve of the season yeah I think Doddy made that after his third <laughs> third bo- bottle of red wine um, uh, so obviously he, he was he was feeling pretty good um, no I mean we, we've seen the level that last season, uh, and and that's all you can go on. And and we, we know we weren't a million miles from from teams. No one really smashed us out of sight, apart from uh, I think Bracknell at home and uh, Marlow away. Uh, the other the other and and maybe Chertsey away as well. But but 
that was a, a terrible day at the office. I think we, we had two players come off the pitch after about 30 minutes. Um, everything went wrong that could go wrong that day. So that, that wasn't really a fair, a fair sort of game, I don't think. So really, I would say that there was only two, two, three times maybe we were, we were blown away. Now, the reverse of those games that where we got blown away, we beat Marlowe at home. So that proves that that was a, you know, again, you know, we managed to to, uh, to sort of come good from from a really bad situation. And Bracknell away, we lost two 0 but we were very much in the game, and, and it was only two, I'd say, lucky goals that, that broke us down. So uh, and Bracknell were runaway leaders. So uh, if if the league stays as it was last year, and um, we can get more consistent group together every game, then. Um, and I'm confident that we can have a, a, a good go this season, but there's some ifs in there. Uh, from the pre-season games, certainly over here, Tony, which I saw both of them, um, how sort of big a group you actually work? Because we saw a lot of fresh faces in there. How big a sort of group of uh, players have you been having to training sort of throughout this pre-season? Oh, it's it's 30 plus. Um, always pre-season um, entertains me because uh, you get... You know the messages I get at the end of the season. Oh, I want to give GFC a go. I get that um, every year, and uh, sometimes people don't even show. Uh, but you know, often, more often than not, they they might turn up for one session, two sessions. Maybe they'll stick around, and then and then, um, but they'll only generally stick around those sort of people for for the first three, four weeks, and then and they sort of slip back into the Guernsey comfort zone of playing. And training with their clubs and, and where it's the you know the easy route out if you like and that they're, they're getting games getting their 90 minutes and and I totally understand that I really get that because at the end of the day they're, they're amateurs and that's what they want to do is play football and play games but you've got to be in it to um, to win it and uh, you know the, the long call is is more often not the way you win it in playing for Guernsey FC so it might be that you know, you're you're training for three, four months, and you you haven't got a sniff, you haven't got a game, and then then you get your breakthrough. And uh, so we've had a lot of players. Um, we're in a much better position than the, you know some of the poor Prio coaches. I, I totally understand that. You know, they probably haven't got as many people, but you know, we're, we're a slightly different you know sort of challenge, I would say. So we 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 need as the best we can get to to go up against the likes of Marlow and, and teams like this. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, I think really for me, Bracknell last year, they, they won it at a canter. They only used 18 players last year and uh, we used 39. So uh, that's the difference. Now, we can only really be competitive um, if we can use, you know, maximum of 20, I think, and, and consistently you know the same group because if we can keep that that consistency that that solid solid foundation for the group then then you've got something to work with uh, but obviously the, the logistical problems and are always there and uh, you know serial moaner about it but you know I just want to have a, a, a sort of a, a level playing field at the same deck of cards every week uh, you know as if it's a Marathi you know I was fortunate enough to sort of do the Marathi this year and it was a breath of fresh air for me, but going from a Guernsey FC situation where, you know, you, you literally don't know who's going to travel, you know, you don't know who's able to train because of, because of the, the sheer effort that's required for a sort of a, a foot near nigh on 40 game programme travelling. You just don't know who you've got, whereas in a Marathi, 
you've had a sort of a break and then everyone's putting their hands up as high as they possibly can and they're training on the money to, to get in that team. Now, if we had that every week, I really am convinced, and there might be some optimism in there, but I really am convinced that we could be in the playoffs. And that, and that's ultimately what I want to try and do because we haven't had it for about seven years, I don't think, in at GFC. We've been sitting just comfort zone, comfort factor, just above relegation, mid-table, mid and, and that's because of the, the 39 players we have to use. And in terms of players from the Prio that have tried to make the step up in pre-season, how many are, do you think are in contention for this Saturday and in the coming weeks do you think that have really tried to push on? Yeah, so I mean we've, we've been really, really sort of, I think, ple not, not surprised is the right word, but, but pleasantly sort of pleased that um, so Sam Murray um, has been involved, Jake Lowe, Jason Martin, try not to forget anybody here, uh, Danny Hale. Uh, there, there's some, a group there and, and Tom Vodin has, has really sort of really come into it I think you know Tom Tom trained with us a lot last year uh, but but obviously played played for North Prio ev every week but he was always training uh, whenever we asked who's available for the, for the games Tom always put his thumbs down and uh, that was probably a confidence thing you know he was finding his feet a little bit in the Prio and, and uh, but at 21 years old he needs to he needs that challenge. He needs to sort of push on because he can get better and better. I'm convinced of it. And uh, he's certainly been one that's in the Isle of Man, for example, that really came came to the table. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we put him at right back against Hartley Whitney or a step three team and, and he didn't look out of place and he hasn't played right back before, I don't think. So, uh, you know, that and that was, a, again, just, just throwing him in there for for a bit of entertainment, a bit of a learning experience, just to see how he, you know, right, you're completely out of your comfort zone now. And uh, he did okay. So, uh, yeah, so so there's there's a group of, sort of a core group of new players there that have, that have been refreshing and have um, perhaps challenged the others as well. So uh, that, that's exactly what you want to see. But really, uh, I want to see them still there in December. And even if they've only played one or two games or or you know you know seven or eight sub appearances and that's it that's the difference and and uh, if they're still there in december still waiting for the opportunity then they will be better for it and we will be better for it and just very specifically looking ahead to this weekend tony um do you get worried by the uh, weather forecast as well because <laughs> it is going to be absolutely sweltering on saturday <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, from my point of view, I'm just I stood on the side, so uh, and that's that's bad enough. Uh, it, it's it's not ideal, uh, you know. But you know, would it be worse than chucking down with rain, freezing cold? I don't know. But um, obviously, we I'm sure the refs are, are pretty good at this sort of stage, and they give the water breaks and really important. That's that's where your level of conditioning and fitness is is, is imperative um, because suddenly you're going going up up a notch or two. And uh, so it, it, it throw in the weather as well. Yeah, I mean, it, we were just chatting after the Hartley-Whitney game in, in, in the clubhouse afterwards to Brent, who was refereeing the game. Brent's you know, the best referee over here. And, and he said he was absolutely shattered and it was way too quick for him, the game. He notices a huge difference. Uh, and, um, you know, that, that I think that just shows sort of what, we, what we're up against is, is just somebody like Brent who... who hasn't experienced it ever. Was suddenly was thrown in, thrown in in, in that situation. It was only a pre-season friendly, and he 
straight away notice the difference in speed and and you know everything about the game. So uh, so yeah, obviously the heat is is going to be difficult and. and when you're traveling as well it dehydrates it you know it, it's it's sort of makes you tired so uh that's going to be a, the, the sort those sort of things are always sort of never factored in when people look at the result and go oh yeah but um that's what you have to deal with do you think you have any sort of gauge or, or like guesses early on of what the other teams in the league going to be like this year do you think many are going to be changed or it's going to be sort of similar because now obviously i mean last season you're going into it and it's the first season in the league i haven't heard of half the teams before uh, last season now you've experienced playing with most of these teams in the league for a season do you think, do you think you've got a more accurate representation of where you are and where they are going into this year yeah it's difficult because there's so so much movement in players uh, you, obviously uh, looking at looking at sort of some of the, the stuff on social media you see teams assigning five six seven players um, retaining a few uh, they, they certainly won't have those players come, come April that's for sure uh, or most of them but I, I, it's really difficult. You, you see, uh, uh, you know, it's been well well documented. We know is that people will move down the road for a tenner, you know, an extra t an extra tenner uh, in their boot, and uh, you know it, it is difficult to sort of gauge how the teams are sort of shaping up. I think for sure Leatherhead, uh, who've got a significant budget, will be the big hitters in our league. They, they came down last year, and and uh, so they'll be. Will be one of the teams that we've got to be careful of. Uh, they'll be the, probably the Bracknell, um, but certainly I, I, I don't know. As I said, it, you know, the, the 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 bonus about it for us is that we've, in theory, hopefully got five or six new players ourselves who are who are fresh, uh, inexperienced at this level, but have got the ability to to make an impact. And uh, so for once, Guernsey FC has got five or six new signings, which is which is uh, unthinkable and uh, abnormal so uh, let's hope that, that that can give us the, the, the kickstart that we need yeah fantastic and Leatherhead uh, come pretty early uh, to Footstay in this season um, you've got three away games before the opening home game on Bank Holiday Monday against Tuting and Mitchum obviously the been well documented a few issues with the pitch at Footslay in this summer. Um, everywhere's obviously looking very dry. Um, are you confident that those games are, or will go ahead at Footslay and that, that the pitch there is in good shape now for the start of the season? Yeah, I think last year uh, it was funny actually because we didn't have a pre-season at all. I think we were just thrown into it straight away and then uh, we had a, a home game uh, which was, you know, and we had a great start. Uh, obviously we played Sutton Common Rovers who, who ended up being right down where we were um, anyway but um, they'd all had about eight or nine games I think so um, and we got ourselves a win which is a great start for us uh, obviously I think the home advantage the, the excitement as well and um, you know the, the right opposition at the right time was, was perfect for us and uh, I have to say that if we were playing Thatcham at home I'd be you know I'd be really pleased but unfortunately, we're not. We're, you know, the, the pitch is not in a in a condition. Uh, it was in a right mess, to be honest, and uh, we were really disappointed and frustrated with that. But fair play to to the to the guys down there. They've they've turned it around. And last time I drove past, it looked very green and uh, was in a really really good position. And to be fair to them, they promised them, us that they would they would turn it around, and they have. But it was in a really poor state, and and it, it you know it cost us significantly financially for pre-season because uh, you know we had to move to 
Corbett Field. So it wasn't ideal. Another another sort of one for the storybook for Guernsey FC. But but as I said, credit to them. The pitch is looking really good. So uh, I think by the time we get there, uh, for Tooting and Mitchum, it will be in a good position. But the flip side of that is we've had three away games. And, uh, you know, momentum is a massive thing in football. So if you end up having three losses because you're three, three away games in and suddenly people start getting you know, negative and, you know, the, the the motivation goes down a notch because of that, that can have a huge impact on your season. So uh, there's so much to consider just by just by sort of being away from home for sort of one, two, three games here and there. So uh, it, it's changed our emphasis a little bit. You know, you, you don't want to go and attack the season uh, because of the three away games. You've got to look and, and think, well, OK, let's try and scrap and see what we can get out of it. Obviously, the last few years have been sort of lit up, really, in terms of local football and, and GFC by the players that Bristol City have come in and taken off your hands. Who do you think they'll have their eye on this year? <laughs> uh, the door's shut. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the word you use there, tone, t- taken. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think borrowed. No, no, no. No, it's, it's good, you know... It's um, it's part of the pathway, and I, th- I think I've spoken about this before. But the pathway is now, I think, complete for Guernsey football. Uh, who'd have said? I don't know that last year you'd have three players playing professional football from from the ranks of, of the local clubs, uh, sort of starting up there, and then and then through to Guernsey FC, and then and then beyond. And it's fantastic for everyone involved. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, I mean, the more the merrier, really. Uh, you know, it, it's what it's all about now, and I think it's real for for youngsters. They can now see. I mean, Alex is is a different level uh, in terms of sort of what he's what he's delivering and and what the way he's being talked about. Uh, so uh, he, he's going to go on, go on and on. And now the youngsters have got something to really, really aspire to be, and uh, that's fantastic for for anyone involved in in Guernsey football and. Uh, as I said, um, I think the pathway is complete now, and and hopefully, those who who sort of bemoaned Guernsey FC, bemoaned the situation. As I said, you know now everyone's playing their part. You know, it's a simple thing. St Martin's lost Alex Scott. Uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember sitting in in a in a meeting room chatting to some of the guys at Saints, and and Alex wanted to play for Guernsey FC when he was sixteen. Saints wanted him to play for. Saints in the Prio and uh, ultimately it was he needs to be in the best um, opportunity, the best challenging situation he can. So that has to be Guernsey FC. Um, so obviously Saints had <laughs> had Alex for years and years and years and were looking forward to using him. Suddenly he, he'd gone from their ranks into Guernsey FC so they had to replace Alex and they did and still won the league and still won everything. Uh, uh, he was with Guernsey FC, Alex, for three months. We thought we'd have him. He's gone. We had to replace him. Um, so Ben Acey comes in. So North thought they had him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they North had to replace Ben Acey because he'd gone to Guernsey FC. Ben Acey goes to Guernsey FC. We thought we had him. He goes to Bristol City. So we have to replace him. And that's that's what I mean by pathway. You know, we're all working together. And, and ultimately, if anyone stops and thinks about themselves or their club and they're and are selfish, then that's where their pathway stops, because you cannot look, you, you can't sort of stop these these youngsters go, wanting to aspire to to get to every level they can, be it um, a club, GFC or professional football. We all have to help with that stepping stone. 
So can I just put you on the spot then, Tony? For last year, watching the Ireland under-18s where your son Seb was captaining them to Stranger Cup glory, do you watch that as a proud father or as a GFC scout? <laughs> <laughs> no, proud, proud father for sure. I mean, um, Seb's, Seb's been training with us and uh, I think he had a game... Um, uh, against he scored an own goal actually so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he won't be getting a GFC next time soon puts him back a couple of well, it wasn't his fault he says but um, <laughs> no I mean you know again sort of uh, the, these sort of guys are the ones that have got to try and push themselves and aspire and it's going to be difficult I remember the same with, with young Jacob Fellows when he first came into GFC at 16 years old he wasn't ready um, and his debut I remember his debut like, like it was yesterday and uh, he came in played centre half it was a Tuesday night down at Hythe. We lost 6-0. The man he was marking scored a hat-trick. Uh, the man he was marking gave Jacob a broken nose. Jacob retaliated like Jacob does. Got a yellow card. Um, Jacob then scored an own goal. <laughs> and we took him off at half-time. And, uh, you know, obviously the jury was out and people were saying, mm, you know, this and I'll call him for his son, blah, blah, blah. But look at Jacob now. And... Uh, you know, it's difficult for, for, for those sort of people, but I'll only ever look at a person as, as a person, not as a as a relative or anything like that. So that they'll only play if they're good enough. And uh, yeah, but I mean, there's some great youngsters. So going back to under-18 squad, I'll say it was, it was a crime that they, they unfortunately, the Marathi was too soon for them and because they, they should have won that game. There's some great players in that in that team. And, uh, you know, I know North have got a significant amount of youngsters there. That will, will do well for the Prio, but again, some of them need to push themselves and, and, and hit that GFC spot at some point as well. Well, Tony, best of luck on Saturday and for the rest of the season. Uh, Thatch from town away, yeah, it's gonna be a hot one. Um, we'll be following it closely, and uh, yeah, fingers crossed, come back with some points. Thank you very much. Tony Vance there speaking to us uh, ahead of GFC's season opener away at Thatcham Town on Saturday. Looking forward to seeing how they go there. As I say, we'll be back with our regular Monday football podcast very soon. Um, so keep an ear out for that. Elsewhere and closer to home, it's the third Rock Capital Island Paddle Championships this weekend. Plenty to look out for down at Long Camp as well with the two new courts down there, um, which takes the club up to five. Uh, set to be a, a real blockbuster weekend of paddle for that event. Um, for the first time, a junior trophy uh, is included as well, along, alongside the usual men's, women's, mix and vets categories. Um, so lots of action. It concludes on Sunday. And ahead of it, I caught up with Sarah Woolland from the Guernsey Paddle. Well, it's really exciting this year because for the first time we're going to have some junior events. Um, we've got five, five courts now down at the club and we've had a big, uh, with the Sports Commission, a big schools programme going for the last year. So lots of kids have got involved and really enjoyed playing. So it's really exciting that we've been able to have um, the first junior open at the tournament. Um, so that'll be going on, plus the usual men's and uh, ladies open, mixed doubles and the vets events. So it's going to be a busy weekend. Yeah, as you say, the new court's kind of, uh, yeah, in use now and up and running. Um, is that, have they sort of been filled almost immediately? Is it kind of just, you know, the, the, the demand for paddlers kind of just filled those courts straight away? Yeah, we were really suffering, I think, before with the um, the fact that we were we were just so oversubscribed that we couldn't um, we couldn't everyone who wanted to play couldn't play, especially at the peak times, weekends and evenings. So that's taken a lot of pressure off that. And 
you know, being in the middle of this amazing weather now, having two outdoor courts is, is really lovely because you can be outside and play and uh, get a bit of a tan at the same time. Fantastic. And are they going to be in full use over the weekend? Yeah, we're going to be using all five courts most of the weekend. Um, we've got the juniors going on one court and the other uh, events will all mix around. And, and hopefully if the weather's good, we'll be able to play the finals outside because there's a sort of amphitheatre where people can sit and watch. So it should be good fun. And you mentioned the juniors there. Obviously, paddle so far has been a really popular sport kind of all age groups particularly though with the sort of older players and the vets um you know that seems to have gone really well but i guess in terms of making it a sport or uh, yeah sort of continue to establish it as a sport in guernsey uh, the sort of developing the junior aspect must be quite crucial yeah it's, and we're really grateful to the sports commission and rock capital who together have really helped fund um all the junior program and take it to all the schools i think last in the last academic year we delivered over 430 court hours of, of paddle to school kids and seven of the island secondary schools took part um, so and they're all playing and it's so easy to pick up and they can play boys and girls and you know it's much easier than tennis so actually it's sort of a, almost a better entry racket sport and then people who show real skill can go on to play tennis but the other exciting thing I think because it's new all across England is the kids who are good have really got a chance to go and you know represent Britain or play in Britain and um, it's worrying for the older ones because we're, we're getting overtaken by the youngsters. They're beating us. They're all in the leagues now. And um, yeah, it's great to see. Cling on while you can. Yeah. And yeah, you mentioned the, the sort of accessibility of it. Is that something that you've sort of seen firsthand that actually, you know, for, for young players that they can kind of pick up a paddle um, bat and, and kind of get kind of into it quite quickly? Yeah, we did. Uh, the grammar school did an enrichment week uh, last week and there was a, a girl there who'd never picked up a racket in anything before and um, you know I was just watching and I thought you could be quite good you know she was on a court with some some kids who were finding it a bit more challenging or whatever and I just took her off onto another court and said do you just want to try and hit some and she hit 40 50 shots backwards and forwards without making a mistake with me and I was like you need to be down here playing because you know you're going to be excellent at this and I think it's really exciting for kids who maybe have never tried that and they realize that it's something they can do and they can get to be quite good quite quickly and you know makes them enthusiastic yeah fantastic and has been uh, well it's been another exciting year for paddle hasn't it you've had the guys go across to um that's a vets world championship in las vegas there's people competing in the club championships i know players have been away as well in various tournaments is that enthusiasm reflected in the quality of the field coming into these island championships as well uh, yeah, for sure. We've got uh, lots of people who haven't entered before. People are getting less scared of entering. I think the, the word Island Championship scares some people, but I keep saying if I can play in it, anyone can play in it. Um, but yeah, we've been really lucky um, with the amount of events we've had here. We've had two LTA events here. Um, people are, have gone away to play uh, and it's really exciting. We sort of have a sort of, we feel like the Galapagos a bit here because we've sort of had COVID and we've been stuck and we've sort of created our own brand of paddle, which it's quite different from how they play it in Spain, but now it's great that it's all opening up. The boys have been out to Vegas. They've played with some of the best players in the world and everyone's coming back saying, oh, we need to do this. We need to play it a bit more like this. So it's, it helps the game and, and it keeps everyone's enthusiasm up. Yeah, brilliant. And this weekend then, who should we be looking out for in the, in the various draws uh, three years in? Is there a sort of clear pattern emerging? Um, well, Rob West has won the men's uh, with John Young twice, but uh, John's not here this weekend, so he's playing with Nico Robinson. So they'll, they'll definitely be a pair to watch. And then on the other side of the men's draw, the top seeds are Pat Ogier and Matt Delamere. So they'll, that will probably, you know, I mean, anything can happen, but they'd be two to watch. Um, 
ladies vets the um one of our good pairs who won the ladies open last year helen polly and chantelle delamere um they're now vets which is disappointing for everybody else uh, <laughs> um and the, and the mixed doubles I, I the mixed doubles is really fun because it's people playing husbands and wives or friends or whatever and um it's often people who don't really play together much in the year so it's a bit of a lottery and um it's always really good fun so um yeah just just should be a good weekend lots of good paddle to watch i hope sounds fantastic uh, it runs friday to sunday doesn't it so uh, lots to enjoy i mean if anyone wants to go down just have a look and get a feel for the sport i'm sure they'll be more than welcome yeah definitely we've got our coaches will be down there um there'll probably be some free courts around so if anybody wants to have a go that's possible we've got a barbecue rolling the bar will be open the sun will be out and and it's just the most friendly club and anybody there will talk to you about the game or have a hit with you or uh, tell you how to get involved so yeah come and have a look awesome and hopefully of getting your hands on a trophy this weekend I feel unbelievably lucky that I've won a trophy in both the last two years and I feel like my luck might have run out but I'll definitely be giving it my best shot well, best of luck we'll see you down there <laughs> thanks very much Sarah Woolland from Guernsey Paddle talking to me there ahead of the Rock Capital Island Championships, the third edition of that event taking place this weekend. I'll be down there um, filming uh, across the weekend, so look out for uh, plenty of coverage on our social channels uh, at GSY Press Sport um, for all of those, and we'll have a full report in the paper as well next week. Uh, Gareth, uh, golf this weekend too. It's a really busy time Interinsula is kind of on the horizon uh, at a sort of uh, senior level, but um, for the juniors, it's been a really big week for them and, and going into a big weekend. Yeah, the junior Interinsula is back and it's now back at um, in a scratch format, which is great um, to be able to, both Ireland's been able to field um, under 18 teams who can play at that uh, level. Um, we've had the junior open this week, which was won by Jamie Trebe. Well done to him. He did really well. He came back from a, a bad start to rack up 38 Stableford points to just about managed to win that one it was, I think there's two countbacks so it's um it's it was a really good tournament and um but it's been a yeah like you say Tony it's a very busy time for golf with the entrenchers coming up all the um jersey sides been named now Guernsey have named three of the four they've still got the men's one to announce because um today is actually like the final domestic uh major of the season with 36 hole Laurentian Tradesman's Cup um, just a quick shout out to Steve Mai last week who won the scratch salver at the Lancrest Open. Um, it, Steve hasn't had a, one of his better seasons and he knew it and he got paired with the island manager. Um, Dave Jeffrey assures, assured him that he had nothing to do with that pairing but um, to, to be able to produce a 67 gross to win the scratch salver when you need to in front of the island manager takes a lot of bottle. And so fair play to Steve for doing that. And um, so it, it looks likely that he should probably get in the island side again now. And um, he, he can sort of resume his usual partnership with the new Channel Island champion, Jamie Blondel, who's been in great form. And, and yeah, congratulations to Jamie for winning the CI title. We haven't had a podcast since he did that. And it was a, a great performance from him. Um, and also um, Ollie Chedome and Bobby Ego won their titles as well on that weekend. But yeah, it's a, it's a really busy time for the, the island's top golfers and um, the, the big matches against Jersey come thick and fast now for the, over the next two or three weeks. Yeah, because we saw last season, um, well, over the last couple of seasons, really, the, the sort of competitiveness around getting into that island men's team sort of increasing with some really strong juniors around. So yeah, everyone really playing for places as well. Um, uh, and and. And just in terms of that junior incident over in Jersey, um, what sort of prospects do you think are in store for them? Um, well, like you say, we've got a lot of um, very talented juniors now. Um, unfortunately, Oli Chedome, who's the CI junior champion, is actually away um, on a family holiday in Spain, so he's not taking part. But 
we've got the likes of Rory McKenna and his brother Connor, um, Jaden Tucknot, Lewis Marley. They're all playing really, really well. And of course, uh, Chloe Godion plays in the in the Guernsey team for that. And the same week that she's she was named as the the outstanding player for Hampshire in their junior county week, uh, she she has a couple of really good wins um, playing on a on a unfamiliar course of her in Kent. Um, so yeah, the prospects are, I think are pretty good. I mean, it's always hard to go away in in any entrance in golf because you're obviously playing against guys on their own on their own course, but. Um, now I'm sure they'll, it'll be a great experience for them, whatever the result. Well, we wish them all the best. Looking forward to seeing how they go. Harry, what are you up to this weekend? Um, this weekend, nothing nothing too busy going on, I don't enjoy think. Enjoy the sun. Yeah, yeah. While the weather's this nice, you've got to enjoy it. It's a shame there's no, uh, shame there's no GFC home game. It'd be nice first game of the season at home, which doesn't happen very often. And You can pop down to the KG5. It's the GCA Cup final on Saturday afternoon. Um, Griffins, yes. Griffins play Kobo, so it could be a good game down there. Oh, yes. I completely slipped my mind. That's, that's, what, that's what I was meant to be doing, actually. Yeah, Saturday, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, well, I think that we'll, be, be, uh, yeah, I think we'll be. be down there, and I think we're all going to be uh, heading down to the KG5 uh, in a bit to, to see how uh, Guernsey's under-19s go uh, against Italy um, in that uh, tournament final this afternoon. Um, it's been a really good week of local sport. Much more to come. Um, thanks, guys, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, Tony. Cheers for having me.